Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week and surprise, surprise, it's raining. At least it's raining in North Mississippi. I'd say there's probably a better than 50-50 shot that it's raining where you are as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We'll tell you right out of the gate, the ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Your reaction to last night's basketball game, Ole Miss hosting Mississippi State at the Pavilion. What'd you think? If you're an Ole Miss fan, how excited are you? If you're a Mississippi State fan, how disappointed are you? What does it mean going forward? All those things would love to hear from you on the C Spire text line. Uh, Mississippi's future can't wait. Join Seaspire in the fight to bring computer science education to every school. Text the word FUTURE to 50457. Let me try that again. 50457. Text the word FUTURE to that number or visit the website OurMSFuture.com. The time is now, Mississippi. Michael Borky, happy Wednesday. Is it raining in Jackson? At this very moment, no, but we've got potential tornado-type weather coming tonight. Oh. So we got like a five-hour break this afternoon for another uh, overnight of rain. But, hey, get this. Did you play golf? <laughs> yeah. Man, I I don't know if you were here or not when I was talking about this. I tried to do yard work, and I took two steps into my backyard, which doesn't drain particularly well, but it's not the worst draining backyard out there. Both of my shoes covered completely in mud. <laughs> I've got good grass. I've got not great drainage, but not terrible drainage either. Two steps in the yard, covered in mud. So I've just given up on that. It's done nothing but rain here. And we'll we'll get a break this weekend, even though it'll be cold. And then next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it'll rain again. Yeah, it's saturated right now. Saturday, let's see, Friday, 43 and sunny in Oxford, and the temperatures are going to be very similar to that in Starkville. Uh, And for that reason, Mississippi State has moved up first pitch for its season opening baseball game to 1 o'clock. So at least get a little bit more of the sunshine and a little bit more of the low to mid-40s and a little less of the 30s on opening day. A little bit better on Saturday and Sunday, mid-50s on Saturday, low 60s on Sunday and the rain chances not all that bad. So uh, baseball coming up this weekend, uh, and Rippy loves cold weather baseball. It's his favorite thing, isn't it? I don't mind the weather. I'm inside. Okay, fair enough. <sighs> we had basketball last night in Oxford, and if you watched the first five minutes of the ball game and didn't watch any more, you assume that Mississippi State won and probably won going away. 
Uh, but there were 35 more minutes, and the rest of the game did not play out that way. Just kind of an opening reaction. Rippy, we'll, we'll start with you. Ole Miss gets the win last night. Feels like we're probably all in the camp of didn't see that coming, at least not the way it unfolded. Yeah, I mean, the first 11 minutes of the game, Ole Miss was kind of pushed to the brink. It looked like State was going to run away with it. Didn't really have much of an answer for Perry inside. Tyree picked up two fouls in two and a half minutes, three minutes, whatever it was. And it looked like they were headed down a pretty dangerous path. And then uh, they it, they kind of started sticking to that one three one. And uh, I've never, I, I mean, I've I haven't seen. I know that's effective to some degree, but I haven't seen a team look that utterly lost against a fairly basic one three one half court trap in a long time. It it really bothered Mississippi State, uh, and that was kind of the difference in the game. And then those empty trips created, I mean, kind of paved the way for Tyree to take over offensively in the second half. Hey, Dad, out of the gate, Mississippi State led 10-2. to It was tied at 13, and then if you blinked, it was 26-13. to uh, Mississippi State had doubled up Ole Miss, but really from that point forward, it was pretty much the Rebels' show the rest of the night. Yeah, uh, State was up. It, it was 32-18 at the time. That that was the three-pointer that got taken, uh, got reviewed. So State was technically, you just didn't know it, up by 13 uh, at the 659 mark. Of the, uh, I'm sorry, of the the four, I was at 420. I'm sorry, 420. Blaze it, uh, of of the first half, <laughs> and from that point on, Ole Miss took out a hammer and just blasted Mississippi State with it for the next, you know, 25 minutes of action. Um, a really, really bad loss, and the consequences are already being seen. Joe Lenardi uh, released his updated bracketology. Not in the first four out, not in the next four out, just plain old-fashioned out. That's where you'll find Mississippi State right now. Net ranking dropped down to 48 this morning. It's going to be a long road to climb to get, for Mississippi State to get back into NCAA tournament uh, contention, and honestly, I don't see it happening. A lot of basketball to play, and you know it's just going to take stacking up wins for them to... You know, if, if you're a, a slave to Joe Lenardi's bracketology reports that come out daily this time of year, you know it's uh, okay. Can can you get into that next four out group, which means you're you know one of the eight teams that's on the outside looking in, and then can you play your way into the first four out, and then at some point can you get a win that bumps you into that last four in category? Uh, I hear what you're saying. We'll look at the remaining schedule uh, for Mississippi State and for Ole Miss. It's amazing though how one week can change how you look at a team, kind of what they are, who they are, and where they're headed. Because a week ago, Mississippi State was firmly in the field. They had gotten out of that first four-out conversation and had gotten all the way to the point where Joe Lunardi had them as one of the last four buys. Like they weren't even going to have to go to Dayton and play one of those early games. They were you know, pretty solidly in the field of 68. And now a week later... Um, a home win against Vanderbilt and a road loss to Ole Miss, and all of a sudden, nowhere to be found on the radar. Yep, and that's just you know, that's just how it goes. That's how your luck will run sometimes uh, for Mississippi State, and especially when you look at their upcoming schedule. Not a lot of opportunities for quality wins. I mean, they just they just don't have anybody on the schedule outside of this Saturday's game at Arkansas. That's a quadrant one win possibility. They only have the one quadrant win on the one win on the uh, the resume right now. It just it just doesn't look good. Last night was was a killer for Mississippi State. Brian Tyree plays thirty five minutes last night. Rippy alluded to it a second ago. Two fouls in the first two forty five of the ball game. 
has to sit down. Ole Miss falls down by 13. Kermit Davis says he doesn't have any option but to bring him back in. Says you've got to be aggressive, but you've got to play smart. And he did both of those things. Picked up, uh, well, did not pick up another foul the rest of the ball game. Brian Tyree finishes with 40 points on 13 of 22 shooting. He hit four threes, was 10 of 11 from the free throw line, had five rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block shot, and turned it over only one time in the ball game. Devontae Shuler plays 38 minutes last night, and the first 20 minutes, or, or the first half, he was almost non-existent. And then, Rippy, I thought the sequence before the half, and really it was the last three possessions of the first half, were really, really big for Ole Miss. They they get the ball with 48 seconds left, and you almost never see it, but Ole Miss actually played for a two-for-one. You, you almost never see it in the college game. They get a bucket, I think, with Hadim C., come to the other end, play pretty good defense, end up fouling Mississippi State. Bulldogs get, did they hit both free throws, hey, Dad? I think they hit both free throws right there before the half. Yes. And then you have Ole Miss, they bring it into the front court, about eight or nine seconds left. Brian Tyree starts to drive, which he did a lot of. You have Shuler kick to the corner, and he goes kind of no-look pass into the corner, and Devontae Shuler made a huge shot going into the locker room. Yeah, I mean, that kind of kicked off a run that had already started with Hadim C., kind of leading the charge there and instead of being down four they were down one but the the overall kind of last four or five minutes of the half really uh really changed the course of this game because state was up 13 really had a chance to put the game away fairly quickly didn't have an answer for reggie perry inside and then things really just shifted they they were very bothered by that half court trap as i said and they took a lot of jump shots they didn't really do anything creative to get the ball in the post and Ole Miss took advantage of that hit a couple shots and the game really turned after that and then the second half was uh i didn't expect the second half to go the way it went as quickly as it went yeah Ole Miss was impressive in the second half borky tell me the last the last time you you remember hearing this mississippi state's bench and Ole Miss's bench combined in 40 minutes of basketball action to score three points. It's pretty that's wild, it. right? I mean, um, but that's okay in the college game, isn't it? Because you don't need a rotation of eight or nine guys to have, or at least to have an effective game or two in college. Of course, you don't want to play your guys 40 minutes a night, but it's not like you need 25 plus points from your bench to. Uh, be successful in the college game of course when you have one guy that goes for 40 and basically he was doing that NBA jams thing in the second half where the basketball is literally on fire when he shoots it from anywhere and it just <laughs> goes in anyway um, that helps a lot as as you can imagine but I think the story beyond Tyree was Hadim C I mean he's a guy that struggled out of the gate as a Juco transferred seemingly getting better every game but last night was his most difficult challenge and he was kind of the catalyst for what kept them in that game before Schuler hit that shot at the end of the half. And a really sloppy first half, a lot of bad pace, and his finishing at the rim and his plays what kept them in it to lead to Tyree's explosion in the second half. Can't be overstated how much better he's gotten, especially against a guy like Perry last night. Best game of his season last night with 18 points and 8 rebounds in 29 minutes. We'll continue to talk about this matchup, and then Scott Barry will join us about 20 minutes from right now. We'll talk some Southern Miss baseball. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming online at supertalk.fm. We're going to keep an eye on the weather for you this afternoon. 
The National Weather Service at 3.04 issued a tornado warning for central Walthall County in southern Mississippi, and it either has expired or is about to expire. Um, just north of Tylertown, heading toward Columbia, and a uh, tornado warning in effect. And that either has just expired or is about to expire. Certainly, that's a part of the state that has seen some uh, significant severe weather in uh, recent months and years, and uh, certainly hope that there's nothing severe there. There is a uh, significant band of thunderstorms that is moving pretty rapidly to the east uh, in East Mississippi that really stretches from Corinth all the way down to uh, about Pickens, maybe just north of Canton. It's moving toward uh, Macon, West Point, Starkville, Boonville, all of those areas. You've got a pretty significant amount of rain coming. And to be perfectly honest, at this point, the um, the, the biggest issue now, you've, you've got some heavy downpours and some heavy winds associated with these, but the biggest issue that uh, we're kind of dealing with all across the state of Mississippi. It's what Borky was pointing out earlier. With the ground just absolutely saturated, flash flooding uh, is an, a, a real threat. Uh, so flooding and flash flooding uh, for really a big, big part of the state of Mississippi. So be aware as you're out and about this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi, C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Uh, let's grab a few of your thoughts. If Ole Miss can get to 9-9 nine and nine in the SEC and they're strong in the SEC tournament, is that enough to get to the big dance? Um, that strong in the SEC tournament needs to be like get to Sunday strong if they're 500 in the league. Just depends on who they beat. I'd like to see what the numbers are if that, that happens. Like, Is it an Auburn win or is it lose to Auburn and Kentucky? I don't know. Yeah, it depends on who they beat and what the net shakes out to be. Those those are probably the two most significant games on the schedule remaining for Ole Miss. The road trip to Kentucky on Saturday because Kentucky's sitting at number twenty in the net, and then you get the road trip to Auburn, which is a return trip later this year. That's obviously an incredibly difficult place to play. Auburn has not lost at home this season. Text message: First game to Pavilion atmosphere was great. Happy and proud for the Rebels and Coach Kermit Davis legendary game for Tyree. That is from Walt. Um, 8,009, I think, was the announced attendance or the paid attendance for the game last night. Let's see. Uh, Yeah, 8,009. And it was a late-arriving crowd. I I walked in a little bit after tip-off with three kids and my mom, and kind of looked around and thought, man, that's a lot of empty seats. And then you looked up a little bit later, and it had filled in pretty well. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess probably 7,000, maybe a little more than 7,000 actual people there. That was a pretty good atmosphere. And actually had a conversation um, w- with someone that was a Mississippi State fan, hey, Dad. And mm-hmm. they were kind of inquiring about how long the student section had been engaged the way it is. You know, had it, had it always been like that at Ole Miss basketball? And the answer has been no, not always. You know, there were times at Tad Smith Coliseum where it was really good, but it really was the transition into the new building and moving the students down to the you know bottom eight rows, whatever it is, you know, that wrap all the way around the court. That just changes the atmosphere, and it's what Auburn has done. 
and it's worked well for them. Obviously, it's what Duke does. There are a few other places that have got students around the court. Do you think that there's a scenario where Mississippi State looks at doing that? I know there's been lots of complaining about where the students are located at the hump. Yeah, and, you know, of course, State's not building a new arena. At least that's not the plan. They're just remodeling the hump. So I don't know how that would work in terms of, you know, State doesn't have a a, a down-on-the-court seating area like that. So I don't know how they, how they would do it, but they would be smart to do it because students are what drives the crowd. It's when the students get excited is when the crowd gets excited. The students pick everybody else up. And if you've got students sitting in, you know, the upper levels, like Mississippi State currently does, not like there's a ton of students coming to games anyway, uh, but that said, it would be a, a it'd be certainly, certainly something I would look into. Is it really the location of them though? Because if we're being completely honest, Ole Miss didn't really have a moment in the pavilion till they beat Auburn last year that wasn't novelty with the new stadium opening or whatever. That place was pretty stale at the end of the AK year, student wise. Sure, it was. it's 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 sort of a chicken and the egg thing, isn't it? I, I don't know if it's the students are, are not getting the crowd into it or if the basketball team's not getting the crowd into it. The, nobody's coming to basketball games right now. And, and like right now, next week, South Carolina, don't think that's going to be a, a, a sellout crowd, nor do I think there'll be any of those uh, the rest of the way uh, at the hump. Yeah, you, you kind of look at the remaining home games for Ole Miss. They've got three left at home and four on the road at Kentucky this Saturday night or this Saturday afternoon at Missouri. Their remaining home games are Alabama on a Saturday night, Vanderbilt on a Saturday at lunchtime, and then Missouri on a Wednesday night. Probably an opportunity to have three pretty good home crowds for those remaining three games. And it kind of, it's, it's the opposite of what you were talking about just a second ago, hey, Dad. When, when you play well at home and you build a little momentum and it's fun, people decide they want to come back. And now that's what Mississippi State's got to try and do all over again is go get a couple of wins and try to rebuild a little bit of momentum. The, the last three seasons, I have felt that going into a game against Ole Miss, State was on the verge of getting people to buy back in, and State is now 0-3 in those games. Hmm. Borky, what was, your, um, what was the poll question today? Uh, it's basically the same thing as yesterday. Which one is more likely? Ole Miss basketball makes the NCAA tournament or baseball makes it to Omaha? Early voting, 75% say baseball to Omaha. Mm. I think more than anything, that just shows you how difficult the hill is still to climb for Ole Miss to potentially get to the NCAA tournament. Right, but I, I figured this would be closer than yesterday's just because there's there's so much new with the baseball team. I mean, they could pitch it well enough to get there, and it's not like Mike Bianco is lacking in recruiting ability, but still a lot of a whole lot of unknown there. And even though it's a very, very distant path, a path does exist for the basketball team. So I figured it'd be close. I guess not. Yeah. Mississippi State goes to Arkansas on Saturday. That's a noon tip-off in Fayetteville. Arkansas has lost two in a row. Uh, check that. Arkansas has lost three in a row. They lost their last home game to Auburn, and then they lost to Missouri on Saturday and really got popped in the mouth last night in Knoxville, which you know, kind of given the limitations they've got and how Tennessee seems to play pretty well at home was not overly surprising. Margin maybe was a little surprising. Two games remaining, home and away this year for uh, against South Carolina. Road trip to College Station, home game against Alabama, and a road trip to Missouri before closing out. And, and that's not exactly in order. 
and then they will close out the regular season. Mississippi State will with uh, Ole Miss on Senior Day in Starkville. Uh, that's a 5.30 tip-off on March the 7th. So, yeah, hey, that on paper, the opportunity for some wins, and you said, well, maybe not a ton of quality wins, but the bottom line at this point for Mississippi State sitting at 15 overall in, in terms of wins, they just got to stack some wins up the rest of the way. Yeah, and they should have that opportunity to do that. But that said, you know, when you look at on the, those games on the road, it just seems the way State's played on the road this year, I mean, you really have to look at the Florida game as an outlier. They've, they've been bad on the road, lost badly at Alabama, lost LSU, lost Oklahoma, lost to Kentucky, and now have lost to Ole Miss. Can you really trust State to win, I mean, what, three or four on the road at worst? I, I, I don't think you can trust MSU to do that. No, I, I certainly don't. Hmm. We'll see where it goes. Um, you know, Borky was talking about the play of Hadim C last night. That there is a guy that on the stat sheet, and I know Rippy Kermit Davis talked about this after the game last night. Antavian dude column, nothing on the stat sheet. Did not attempt a shot, had three rebounds, two fouls, no turnovers, no assists, no blocks. But he played kind of the point spot, the, the top position of that one three one zone, and really was good. And and, and that's well, kind of the that is twenty eight minutes. He's supposed to eat minutes. He certainly did that. Yeah, pro- I think that's the most he's played all year. May- I might be wrong about that, but I feel pretty safe without looking at it. But yeah, I mean, it was fine. He survived. I mean. There were a couple of times where Perry got him down low, and it's pretty much over at that point, but he was all right, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I mean, a half-court defense situation, no question that's a mismatch, but out at the front of that 1-3-1, he was kind of long and active there and helped create some of those turnovers. Hey, Dad, I don't feel like I've seen Mississippi State have that much trouble protecting the basketball this year. I haven't either. You would have thought that was the first time that that defense had ever been rolled out in the history of college basketball. State played <laughs> so poorly against it. It was it's like the alley semi pro. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are they doing? It was incredible to watch State struggle against that over and over again. Seventeen turnovers in the ball game last night led to twenty-seven of Ole Miss's eighty-three points. Scott Berry will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. When we come back, we'll talk some college baseball, Southern Miss style, after this Sports Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, just two days away until opening day. And in Hattiesburg, that means a 4 o'clock game on Friday afternoon against Murray State as Southern Miss opens its new baseball season. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team. I guess we're probably not really supposed to have favorites, but I don't care because this guy is one of my favorites. Scott Berry joins us right now. Coach, we've made it to the start of a uh, of a new year, and you've got a new look at the ballpark this season. How is, uh, how's the new turf? Well, I'll tell you, Richard, first of all, thanks for having us on again this year. Really excited about uh, being on each week with you all and discussing uh, what has happened with Southern Miss baseball prior to, to that. So, 
But, you know, the new look, the new surface is outstanding. I, I tell you what, it has met and exceeded all expectations that I had on it myself. But it is a synthetic grass surface where the uh, the total surface is that, even the mound and the plate. But it's been a difference changer for us, and I can assure you it's taken a lot of stress off of me as well. If I had asked you 20 years ago, hey, Scott, you want a baseball field that doesn't have one blade of grass on it. My guess is you probably would have not been in favor of that idea. Is that accurate? I think that's probably accurate. But now I would I would tell you I was very dumb 20 years ago when you asked me that <laughs> question. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it is. It is just absolutely one of the best things, Richard, that I've ever experienced with, with baseball. It's it, the weather just doesn't factor into it uh, unless the lightning. But, you know, all the headaches that we have with a natural grass surface of putting the tarp on and getting kids up at 6 a.m. to do it, uh, you know, keeping the keeping the edges uh, clean and the grass mode and the clippings up and adding the dirt, just everything year-round, it, it doesn't take place anymore. You know, it's not yeah. that this surface isn't a no-maintenance. It's just very low-maintenance. And, and with that, it frees us up uh, with the development part of our our program with our with our student athletes and trying to to equip them to be the most, the most successful they can be. How do your players like it? They love it. I mean, they absolutely love it. I'll tell you what, it's done. It's it's encouraged them to go out and work more on their own. I mean, even when we're after practice, they'll set up the machine and hit longer. They'll take ground balls. Uh, longer after practice, it's just you know the, the setup and 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 tear down of a natural grass field with all the protective uh, mats and aprons that you have to put down there. You don't have to do it with this, and uh, you know it's just kind of one of those things. Working a little smarter is the kind of way I look at it. I, the first place I noticed this was at Vanderbilt. They, they were one of the first schools you know that I had kind of seen that went with the full no dirt anywhere, like the whole. Uh, surface was was synthetic and one of the things that i noticed is it changes the way you slide a, a little bit especially if you're going in hard trying to beat out a double going into second base is that something that you guys are already working on and kind of practicing and, and realizing that maybe you've got to take a little bit different approach in some parts of the game than if you were playing on dirt it is you're exactly right and in and then after a rain when it, it gets a little wet it'll, you'll need to start your slide a little sooner as well hmm. i know one thing you really teach your infielders to hold the tags on all the way through because there's a good chance if somebody's not familiar with uh, with how it slides that they may go right across the back i've even seen it happen on on people's own home field with their own team doing it of course their coach is like i don't even know how that happens but you know it can happen but i'll tell you what it does it uh somebody asked me the other day are you worried about the carpet burns and i said well that's a new one i've never heard that one but um I said I'm not playing in shorts we, though. We, we won't have any strawberries like we've had before on it. So, yeah. uh, but you know that really that's kind of the only adjustment. This particular company that we went with, Field Turf, has done an excellent job of mirroring that of a natural grass surface. There's not much difference in the way a ball plays on this surface that we have than the old surface of natural grass that we had. Scott Berry on your radio head baseball coach at Southern Miss. They open up on Friday, 4 o'clock against Murray State. They'll play on Saturday at 4 and then game 3 on Sunday at 1. All of that, of course, weather uh, permitting this weekend. But weather, less of an issue in Hattiesburg unless there's lightning involved because of the new playing surface. 
Coach, uh, as we talked throughout the course of the season, I know there was some frustration for you, although you didn't, you weren't overt about it, with how your team played defensively. And I thought that was a little bit of an anomaly because traditionally you've had really good defensive teams. Do, do you feel like you make a step forward from where you were defensively last year? I do. You know, last year's team uh, was probably the lowest fielding percentage team that we've had here in a number of years. And it was kind of frustrating because we would shoot ourselves in the foot a lot of times and make things difficult for for ourselves. And, you know, when I say that, after that team was uh, had a record of 40 and 21, which is pretty yeah. good. A 40-win season is pretty well, uh, you know, a pretty good season. But, you know, we were able to hit out-hit a lot of our mistakes last year with a lot of power. Those numbers now have decreased. We're a different team offensively than what we've probably been in the last three, four years. So, you know, being able to, to defend, to pitch, is going to be very important with this club moving forward. And I feel like the athleticism that we have out there and with the synthetic grass, which is going to play a little bit better, it's going to play true hops almost every time, is going to enable us to clean that fielding percentage up. I know baseball is a game of transition, and when you have good players, they eventually leave, whether it's leaving early for the draft or, or they graduate or they transfer, what, whatever it is. Um, but the middle of the lineup from a year ago, I, I was doing the math yesterday, I think it's 49 home runs and about hundred and almost 170 runs batted in. Out of that uh, that combination of, of Bryant Bowen and Matt Walter and, and Hunter Slater, how do you replace that? Well, I don't know if you do, and I don't think you harp on it. I think you embrace the the personnel that you have. Uh, it's a new year, and, and and maybe you have to adjust your philosophy in the way you do things, and try to get uh, get your players, as as we love to say in the coaching world, to buy in to what we're doing, and, and that's exactly what we've done. I don't think we'll ever replace a, a Matt Walner, just like we weren't ever to probably replace a Nick Sandlin on the mound that year that, sure. that after he left. So, you know, we just have to move forward. And these, these young men that we have have probably been the hardest-working group that, that I've been around in the 20 years that I've been at Southern Miss. Uh, they work very, very hard. They seem to complement one another, keep each other accountable in what we're trying to do. So, you know, I don't know how good we're going to be. I know it's a fun bunch. They're going to play hard. They're going to do everything that we ask them to do. And, and uh, they're going to try to win every baseball game. So, uh, you know, we just move forward with, with this new, new, uh, new blueprint, I guess, for this year. Walk me through your rotation for the opening weekend. Uh, we're going with Shepard on Friday and okay. Walker Powell on Saturday and then a true freshman, Chandler Best from Mobile, a left-hander on Sunday. So Shepard was a young man that really finished the year strong. His last three starts uh, were as good as anybody that we've had given his age. A true freshman coming off Tommy John his senior year the year before. We just kind of worked him through it. And, and then there at the end, he really gave us a shot in the arm. Walker Powell returns for his fourth year in five years. A uh, young man that's logged in, I think he's had 36 starts now in the three years, 16 each of the last two years. So he brings a great deal of experience from the starting uh, point on uh, uh, for our staff and on the weekend. So that experience is uh, what we need at this time. But then Chandler Best is a young man that really caught our eye 
in the recruiting process uh, was had the presence, the poise in the fall that that earned the respect of his coaches, and and it continued since we came back from Christmas, and, and feel like that he's a great option for us on Sunday. So a true freshman going in uh, in game number three, and and quickly we're running out of time, but yeah, just thirty seconds or so on uh, on Hunter Stanley and kind of what he gives you. Uh, I know he was already named to the the preseason watch list for stopper of the year. Well, Hunter's just a fine, fine person. I mean, I can't say enough about him, but ultra-competitive, the hardest-working kid that we have on our team, comes early, stays late. Uh, You know, we're looking for him to do big things for us. He can play several roles, but if we can get to the back end of the game and have him ready to go, I feel pretty good. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly with good reason. Coach, you're the best. Really appreciate it. Uh, excited about visiting with you on uh, Mondays throughout the season and uh, wish you the best for opening day and opening weekend. Well, Richard, I appreciate it. Prayers to JT and his family in this, in this situation, too. So thinking about y'all. Well, thank you for saying that. Scott Berry, one of the good guys in college baseball, head coach at Southern Miss. He'll join us on Monday afternoons throughout the course of the year, and uh, we'll keep up with what's going on with Southern Miss baseball through those weekly conversations. Obviously, Luke Johnson will be with us uh, to talk Southern Miss throughout the spring as well. Southern Miss and Murray State, game number one, Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Uh, you heard how excited Scott Barry is about uh, the new playing surface at uh, at Pete Taylor Park. They've got the all synthetic playing surface, uh, field turf is what it's called. That's the company that they went with. No dirt anywhere on the diamond. Not at the uh, around the bases. Not on the mound. Not around home plate. And I thought it was funny what he said. He said, "You're right. Twenty years ago, I would not have said I want a field like this." He said, "But I was dumb twenty years ago." It's pretty good stuff from uh, Scott Barry. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Got more coming up with you. We'll wrap up the 3 o'clock hour in just a couple of minutes. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, you heard uh, Scott Berry just a minute ago mention JT. Um, We have tried to kind of keep you up to date with uh, some of the details, but have wanted to be respectful of uh, JT and his family's privacy along the way, but... There are a couple of updates that we can share that um, his wife, Janet, through their daughter, Emily, have uh, made public. First, let's rewind to Saturday, because I think it will help put in context a little bit more the update that they've got from today. So about 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, Janet, JT's wife, and I thought the, the first thing that was interesting, she said, update on my Thomas. He's JT to most everybody else. Uh, brought by ambulance to the hospital on Monday night with blood clots in both lungs and on the ventilator since Monday night. So this is now almost a week and a half that JT has been in intensive care in Jackson. The blood clot traveled from his leg, the leg that is affected by his cancer, and went to his lungs. Lungs are in bad shape, causing him to need maximum oxygen to help him breathe. At that point, he had been sedated through the entire time that he was in the hospital but had woken up once and looked at Janet, his wife, his son, JT Jr., and his daughter, Emily, kind of had, had looked them in the eyes. Uh, she said he's a fighter and that his oncologist had suggested that they start a low dose of chemotherapy while he was under sedation to hopefully help some of the other areas of his body that are struggling to work and knock out some of the pain that he was having related to his lymphoma. On Saturday, she said, we need specific prayers for his lungs, his heart, and his blood pressure to come back up. He's a very sick man who should not have made it past Monday night. 
He continues to make baby steps almost every day, but he has an enormous road ahead of him. Please continue to pray for JT and our family. That was on Saturday. This is from today. And this update comes from Janet, JT's wife, and his daughter Emily has shared it. And this is really encouraging. Earlier today, lunchtime today, for the first time since we've been here, they told us he had a good night last night. He still has an incredibly long way to go, but we are focusing on the positive right now. They have been able to get a significant amount of fluid off of him over the last couple of days, talking about his lungs. This has helped with his breathing and all that goes with it. They are trying to wean him off the ventilator. It's such a slow process. He is becoming more alert and following a few commands. Emily, which is JT's daughter, told him to blink his eyes if he loved her. He blinked them like crazy. Janet says, we're so thankful for all of your prayers, your cards, the food. She says she could go on and on and says the power of prayer is real, and I humbly ask you to continue. So as we've talked about with you, one of the ways that you can help JT and help uh, all of our fellow Mississippians is by donating blood. You can go to MS Blood uh, Mississippi Blood Services website. You can download their free app, find a place where there is a blood drive near you, and when you donate, tell them that it is for JT Williamson. You can donate in his name. And uh, not only can you help JT, you can help people that are in uh, similar difficult circumstances to the circumstances that he finds himself in right now. What an encouraging update from uh, from JT's family. Uh, I feel like that maybe gives you a little more insight that we've not talked publicly about on the radio, uh, but that his family has put out there very publicly. Uh, many of you have asked, uh, whether it's bumping into you just randomly or you know, texting the show or emailing or whatever it is about JT and his progress and about how serious things are, um, they're very serious. Uh, in addition to the fact that he's dealing with lymphoma, uh, multiple blood clots in his lungs, uh, obviously that poses serious, serious health risks. And, uh, man, just so encouraging to hear that he's uh, making a little bit of progress. So uh, we do encourage you, as uh, Janet and JT Jr. and Emily have asked, to uh, continue praying for JT uh, continue to uh, uh, keep his uh, caregivers in mind, and this, this uh, uh, rough situation that he's in will go away. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. We're glad to have you along for the ride. Don't forget the C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-87... I just lost it, Borky. 879-4395. I mean... I don't. There, there is not another phone number that I say more often than that one. <laughs> and I was five digits in, and I could not remember what the sixth digit was. Oh man, I got in trouble with my wife the other day What did you forget? Uh, well, I don't know her phone number, and she's like, "Well, you know the text line, you know the number, but how can you not know your wife's phone number?" Like, say because it's saved in my favorites on my phone, and I don't have to remember it. Yeah. And I've got a little sign in front of me that has the other one every day. There you go. Didn't work, though. Mike in Grand Bay says, Me and JT don't always get along, and it has nothing to do with politics, but I can't donate until March 14th. It says he will then. And also, C-Rez says, uh, 
Thank you for the update. And we're just glad it's a positive update. Hour number two of Sports Talk Mississippi coming up in just a couple of minutes. We've got news, and then we will be right back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. Good to be with you, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Hey, that time I remember the number. Progress. Nailed it. 601-879-4395. C Spire wants you to text the word FUTURE to 50457 or visit the website OurMSFuture.com because Mississippi's future can't wait. Join C Spire in the fight to bring computer science education to every school in Mississippi. Again, text the word FUTURE to 50457 or visit OurMSFuture.com. Let's see. Where should we go next, Borky? This uh, this pitcher power ranking thing it just I know we got baseball coming up. Just talk to Scott Barry. Um, further exemplifies how difficult the SEC is. But hmm. my gosh, Ole Miss's schedule is just absolutely brutal. No matter how way you shake, no matter what way you shake it out, uh, the entire top four pitchers in all of college baseball, Ole Miss will see, and like seven of the top ten. And there's some guys that are between 10 and 20 that they're going to see as well. It is just the absolute worst schedule imaginable. Emerson Hancock from Georgia as is rated as the number one pitcher in all of college baseball. This from D1 Baseball's College Pitcher Power Rankings. Reed Detmers from Louisville is 2. Asa Lacey from Texas A&M is three. Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt is number four, which means there are, in the eyes of the guys at D1 Baseball, three pitchers better than Kumar Rocker. Now, what do you think about that top four? I think that I would have Kumar Rocker number one. Wait till you see this Detmers kid. I got, you, I got to see particularly, him Particularly, hey, Dad, I just meant like uh, old Miss people like on Friday. Okay, I would say I was like, I got to see him last year, but okay. Yeah. I saw him in the Super Regional. He was not at his best in the Super Regional, and he was really, really good against East Carolina last year. I didn't get to see Hancock Hancock last year. Is, you, you did see him in person? I, I did not. He was hurt when uh, when State played oh, Georgia. that's right. Ole Miss got Hancock and Losey in the same game in the SEC tournament and won the game. It's pretty remarkable. I can't. I think Losey started. Maybe it was Hancock started, but they were both on a pitch count. But I mean, it was five innings of ninety-eight. So you'd go Kumar Rocker number one, hey Dad? I, I didn't see a better pitcher last year. Emerson Hancock one, Reed Detmers from Louisville two, Asa Lacy from A and M three, Kumar Rocker four from Vanderbilt, J T Ginn from Mississippi State number six. Tanner Burns from Auburn, number eight. Hickman from Vanderbilt. Is that the freshman? No. I don't remember who Hickman is. Was he the third starter last year? I thought... Or maybe he was out of the bullpen? Fellows was the first starter. 
It was Fellows and Rocker 1-2, and Rocker moved into the Saturday role because at one point he was throwing on Sundays. Mason Hickman. He pitched. That's it. Sorry. Go ahead, Rippy. I was just saying, he pitched last year on the weekend. Yeah. Ole Miss actually. Did not play Vanderbilt for regular season. No. But did did Hick. No. I'm trying to think who started that Sunday game in Hoover. The SEC championship game? Yeah. I don't remember. Um. That's right. He was he was the number two starter last year for Vanderbilt. It was Fellows and then Hickman, yeah, Hickman and, and then Kumar Rocker and then at one point Rocker and Hickman flipped. Talk about talk about something. Yeah, we, we just forgot about this guy. He just led the team in ERA at two point oh five, was nine and 129 strikeouts in ninety six innings. We just like forgot that, about was, him though. That Gosh. was that the oh seven Vanderbilt team that had Mike Miner as their Sunday guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was David Price on Fridays that year. Yeah. Um, other SEC guys in the top 30, Majowski at uh, South Carolina. And you're sure you're saying that correctly? Yeah, is that phonetically sound? I thought I looked it up. It looks like Mladzinski, but it's actually like Majeski or Majowski. Cole Henry seems high. Cole Henry at 16 for LSU. I may have Highly skipped ranked. one, uh, 14, uh, Ian Bedell at Missouri. <laughs> So that's my bad. <laughs> no, it's on there. I just don't really feel like Missouri's part of the SEC. <laughs> well, they can't play they in the postseason anyway. So. Last year, that Candleberry kid was pretty good. Are they gonna miss drop two or three? They did. Absolutely did. Uh, Garrett Crochet from Tennessee is at number eighteen. Doug Nikhazy from Ole Miss is at number twenty-three. Wilcox at Georgia at number 27. That almost feels a little low. And Gunnar Hoagland from Ole Miss at number 30. Henry feels high. Cole Henry does? Yeah. I mean, he's good, but I wasn't that impressed. Highly ranked, that is. Not high being the operative word. But, like, I just... (laughs) There's so much time. I didn't really take it that way. Yeah, it just sounded weird. I think it's Brock, dude. Now you've got Rippy giggling. Hey, Dad. <laughs> I know what I was doing. Oh, Take man. a breath. Carry on. What a disaster. No pun intended, hey, Dad. But <laughs> I don't know. There's just a lot of good pitchers in the league. <laughs> that That's your wrap-up to that is, oh, there are a lot of good pitchers in the SEC. I do. I just think I think you just huh? completely derailed all train of thought. No, I just meant with regards to I thought that's. Seems generous with Cole Henry, but what do I know? I'm trying to remember. What, so what was LSU's down, weekend so rotation last off year? Off the top of my head, just like Ole Miss is facing the top four: one, two, three, and four. Gibbs, six because he's six. Burns at eight. Okay. Hickman at ten, presumably without injury. Like Henry at sixteen. Uh, Wilcox at twenty seven. They're going to face Miller. the Carolina kid too. Oh yeah, and uh, and the ECU kid because they play ECU first in that weekend. Yeah, <laughs> Burleson at twenty five, and you'll That's also insane. have Bobby Miller from Louisville at twenty two. That is so one two three four six eight ten twelve sixteen twenty two twenty five, and then just throw in the Wilcox kid, presumably just for good measure. Is I mean, that right? Is that everybody? Is it are we missing one? 
I mean, unless North Alabama's got somebody on this list. That's a revenge game. <laughs> Never really, I forget that. That is insane. Hey, Dad, it's a little different for Mississippi State because you don't have Louisville and East Carolina on there. Right. Does Mississippi State play Georgia regular season? No. That's a nice bullet dodged. So yeah. Mississippi State will face Asa Lacey from Texas A&M, Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. Tanner Burns from Auburn, Mason Hickman from Vanderbilt. South Carolina on the schedule this year? Yes, they go to South Carolina. So Majenski from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Vidal from Missouri. Yeah. Uh, Cole Henry from LSU. Mm-hmm. They play Tennessee. Tennessee on the list? I believe so, yeah. I, I, I'm 99% sure. Crochet from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Nikhazy from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Wilcox from no no don't play Georgia no Georgia potentially Micah Dallas from Texas Tech probably not in a midweek game yeah probably not in a midweek game is anybody from Oregon State on the list not in the top thirty okay uh, you got to go all the way to forty three to Jake Mulholland he was a bullpen a, guy a year ago I know we've mentioned yeah. it but Ole Miss getting Florida Georgia. And Vandy out of the East, and I know it's not, I know it's not like biased or anything, but talk about a screw job. Look, and and if you want to push this thing out a little farther, out past the top thirty, Ole Miss will get Tommy Mace from Florida, Jack Leftwich from Florida, who are thirty three and thirty four, could potentially see Jake Kuchmaner from East Carolina at number thirty six. This hasn't mentioned anyone from Arkansas yet either. Bailey Horn from Arkansas is ranked forty six. Landon Marceau from LSU is forty eighth. So Ole Miss could see like 25 of the top 50 pitchers this year. And Mississippi State could probably see 20 of the top 50 pitchers this year. Maybe 25 also. Job. Somebody's got to do it. That's right. Mike in Oxford points out that that was uh, Patrick Raby came in and threw like a couple of strikes, mixed in a bunch of bad stuff in two-thirds of an inning. I forgot Ole Miss jumped out pretty early. Yeah. And... Tyler Myers was really, really good. And that's an arm that Ole Miss is not going to have this year. He has had surgery this week, Tommy John surgery, to uh, repair a UCL injury. And uh, so that's a little bit of a blow to Ole Miss's bullpen this season. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We will take a quick timeout and be right back. David and Socher. Ceasefire text line. All we need to do is go talk to the Astros and get some tips on how to knock their rear ends off the mound. <laughs> Where's that trash can? Brad in Burnsville. Uh, Rippy, I think this would be directed at you. Hey, whatever happened to Jordan Fowler for Ole Miss? I remember him pitching the 2018 SEC championship game and looked good. Took a huge step back last year and transferred out. Where did he go? I don't know where Fowler actually ended up. Yeah. That was one of those that you thought, eh, future looks bright if he continues to grow and maybe get a little bit stronger and fill out a little bit. and Just never came together as a sophomore. Uh, kind of lost velocity. was down in the midweek. Just Let's see. Central Missouri. Okay. Gotcha. Looks like their mascot is the Donkeys. Jokes write themselves sometimes, don't they? Hey, Dad, so we talked so much about the pitching, right? Yeah. 
and it is the elitist of the elite. But the offense in the SEC is not bad either. <laughs> no. No, we talked man. a lot about Mississippi's offense, and they are going to win swinging the bats. You look at Arkansas, who I don't think had a pitcher named in the top 50. they got Casey Martin and Heston Kerstad and Casey Opitz. And you got Tyler Keenan at Ole Miss and Anthony Servideo, who has had a really good had a really good fall and a good spring leading into the start of this season. And then some names that you hope pop up along the way. You start looking around the SEC, you got guys all over the place that can absolutely swing it. So weird. It's almost like predicted this. to finish they win the West and have a pitcher in the top fifty. That is a little yes. odd. Okay. But I mean, it's it's almost like the SEC is the best baseball conference or something. I mean, there's just talent everywhere, pitching, hitting, and you've got great coaches too. So, you know, one I never know for sure what sport. I know it's not men's basketball, but what is the toughest sport to win the SEC in? And I mean, baseball's just right there because in the West you've got six tournament teams for sure. In the East, you you probably got. At least five. I mean, obviously Missouri can't make it, and Kentucky won't go. So I guess, yeah, five. You could have 11. Now, it probably won't end up that way, but nobody else has that kind of depth. When you, when you talk about Ole Miss, and, and we're saying, you know, oh, they might struggle a bit this year, you know, they could finish fifth or sixth in the West, still be the tournament. But if you put that team in the Big 12, or if you put that team in the Big 10, they're probably second, third best team at worst. So... You know, this is just this is just the nature of the beast. You, you know, if you're a pitcher in the SEC, you're going to face incredible lineups. If you're a batter in the SEC, you're going to face incredible rotations. And that's what makes it the best conference, and that's what makes it the most fun to cover. The aces are a whole different level of ace. You saw evidence enough of that last year when yeah. uh, that little thumber kid from uh, Illinois came down, and then what Clemson? It's just really not even the same like. Not even the same type of pitching style. Right. Did you feel like you saw that when Mississippi State played Stanford? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, how could you not? You know, they just. Stanford was a good team, but they were not really Mississippi good State. They were not Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas good. Let's say allegedly. At one point last year, like them and UCLA were like two and four. Like, yeah. So just because they won a ranked Pac 12 teams? Like, didn't really seem in the same ballpark. Well, you know, UCLA when it, lost to who? Well, Michigan. As it shook out, Michigan. Yeah, you had Mississippi State knock Stanford out and keep them from going to the College World Series, and you had Michigan out of the Big Ten keep UCLA from going to the College World Series. And UCLA, if I'm remembering correctly, they lost the first game of their regional, and then had to kind of battle back through the losers bracket, and it ended up winning it. I believe, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, I don't remember who the opponent was, but regardless, why is there such a great? I, then the obvious answer would be, well, there's more talent around here, but still, baseball cannot offer, according to the rules, full scholarship. So why is there such a massive concentration of elite talent in the SEC when one? The best players can go pro out of high school. I know that's ill-advised because the college players are more likely to make Major League Baseball. It's like 64% of them. But still, the most elite players can go pro and make money right away. And it seems like, I mean, you just ran down the list of guys, just pitchers. 
from the SEC dominate the list. And there's, what, 400 Division I baseball teams. So why is there such a great concentration of baseball talent here compared to every other league basically combined with those things in place? Because more college, I mean, more players go pro out of high school, and the ones that don't want to play in the best country with the best, I mean, the best conference with with the best facilities. So the uh, and they have a bunch the, of places here that offer full scholarships. Yeah, whether you want to admit it or not. Yeah, they can fix that rule quick. What would changing that rule do if baseball became a full scholarship sport? Does anything change? I floated the idea out. I think it was here. Tim Corbin becomes less obnoxious. I don't know. Well. If if Harvard, a school that plays in the Ivy League, decided that they wanted to go compete for a national championship, could they do it? If they offered 25 full scholarships to Harvard to play baseball? They'd they, probably have superior spin rate and analytics as far as attracting talent to Harvard. I don't know. I mean, you're talking about the most elite academic institution in the country. I know you can debate if if you want to. Ever heard of Cornell, bro? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Bernard. No, I don't know. Maybe. I doubt it. I mean, obviously the emphasis is not there. You've seen Harvard in the postseason in baseball before. Yeah. I think they played a series, an early series against LSU. So if, if they stack their schedule where early in the year they played – three SEC teams and a Big 12 team and had some good midweek road trips and then played their Ivy League schedule and won that league. And I mean, I don't know. Just kind of thinking out loud on, on that front. But, Borky, to your original question, I think Rippy hit the nail on the head. If you're an elite baseball player coming out of high school that doesn't go play professional baseball, why wouldn't you go to the SEC? Okay, maybe you're a West Coast kid that just wants to stay home. That's fine. Then you go to three schools out there, essentially. Yeah. And Oregon you, State, or who else? Stanford. UCLA and Stanford. And UCLA. Maybe I mean, right Arizona now, State will be good again this year, but yeah. it, it had been a while. And if you, if you decide to play at State, Ole Miss, LSU, Arkansas, maybe you know, to a certain extent Alabama and Auburn with their new facilities, Texas A&M, anywhere in the West – you're probably playing in better facilities than you'll ever play in in the minor leagues. Certainly in A-ball. At AA and AAA, I mean, they've done a pretty maybe? nice job. But better crowd support. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... I mean, actual it's stadium, small. yes, but, I mean, if you, what AAA facility has what Ole Miss and State have? Nobody. Right. Stadium-wise, sure. I mean, like yeah. AutoZone Park, pretty sweet. Yeah, where the El Paso Chihuahuas play, believe it or not, is an exceptional-looking ballpark, but point still stands. Well, I mean, Pensacola built a beautiful minor league stadium, the Blue Wahoos, just a few years ago, right there on the water. But your point is is a good one. All of the other things that go along with it, Mississippi State has separated... Hey, Dan, am I right? I, I seem to remember this from the tour that I got last year. There's like a pitching lab where there are a couple of indoor pitching setups, and then there's a separate indoor hitting area, right? Correct. And then the weight room is still in the Palmero Center? I think they didn't do a separate weight room. Right, they didn't do it. They did not do a separate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but but it's kind of all there together. You you will be hard-pressed to find a better 
it's not hard pressed. There's not a better college baseball weight room in America than the setup that Ole Miss has. And Mike Bianco told me last year, we were talking about it at one point, he said, we could have done a weight room a few years ago in the stadium, but I didn't want to halfway do it. We wanted to do it right when we did it, and that's the reason they held off. And he alluded to the fact when we talked last week, and this is crazy, right, hey, Dad? So so Mississippi State just spent how much, $68 million? Yeah. So $68 million. Ole Miss, over the course of the last 10 years, has spent about $40 million on its stadium. Combined with the or thirty eight million with the two expansions, and Mike Bianco said to me last week, the next thing they're looking at is expanding the stadium because they've sold every single seat in the stadium in consecutive years, and that's with a fan base that was semi frustrated at the end of last season. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's unbelievable. Maybe even take it for granted a little bit. But I think it's why we love it so much. And it's why it's so successful. Sports Talk Mississippi. Quick time out. Be right back. Ceasefire text line. Mike in Oxford says he will be attending 60 Ole Miss baseball games this year. He saw 57 of them last year. Hey, Dad, he wants to bring you into this conversation. He says if they finish worse than fourth in the West, he will eat your shoe on the air. I got some old tennis shoes. We'll hold, we're going to hold him to this. I met Mike in Oxford um, filling in for JT on Friday. Nice guy, big Ole Miss baseball fan. He was leaving the... Um, the, the union and headed over to the baseball stadium to watch a scrimmage or practice or whatever they were doing on Friday. So this whole eating articles of clothing thing doesn't always work out. Rhino rarely that, does it. Uh, a few years ago yeah. with a, uh, a bet. He said he'd eat his hat. And I think he marinated it in soy sauce and tried to eat it sushi style. And he choked it down, but it was not pretty. So, Mike in Oxford says if they finish worse than fourth in the West, I'll eat Haydad's shoe on the air. I mean, Mike, you can just say you're wrong. I mean, I, I don't, I don't need you to hurt yourself. Yeah, but kind of once you put yourself out there, you got to go with it, don't you? Well, I mean, that's that's on Mike at this point. That's not on me. I have a, uh, I have no uh, responsibility legally whatsoever. 601-879-4395. A lot of people are talking about this. Borky, at least for now, your Saints. Hey, Dad, at least for now, your Saints still have Taysom Hill on the roster. I say at least for now because both of you are toying with the idea of finding a new team to cheer for. Any up, update on whether or not you're completely bailing? They released no. a statement, I believe it was yesterday, a pretty lengthy statement, um... <sighs> Claiming that the only help they gave was to release every name of the credibly accused and denying any financial support of the, I guess, crisis PR aversion, if you want to call it that. 
Um, the, the emails have been turned over, so it's whether or not the court releases them. So they're claiming that the emails say, uh, do not exclude any credible accusation and be as transparent as possible. They claim that's what the emails say, and they have turned them over. So somebody will find out whether or not they're telling the truth here in the very, very near future. If they don't release the emails... Boy, this sounds like 2016, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, kind of does. If they don't release the emails, do you stick as a Saints fan? Yeah. I don't know. Jameis just got LASIK, hey, Dad? (laughs) Well, he needed something. Did they change their uniforms today, too? They teased a change that's coming because that's what okay. you do on social media. They going now. back to creamsicle? Um, they in the video they showed like the 07 team, I think, with the that if you want to call it gray, with just the standard like red, solid the red pewter. top and the pewter power, pewter, yeah, that yeah. color. So sounds okay. like that's what's coming back. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay, so we digress. The reason I brought the Saints up in the first place was Taysom Hill says he views himself as a quarterback and apparently will walk from New Orleans if that view is not shared by the team as well. Here's his quote. I definitely view myself as a franchise quarterback. Do I want to leave? The fact of the matter is no. But as you look at free agency, you have to find the right opportunity for you. You have to find the situation to take care of your family. I want to play quarterback in this league. New Orleans doesn't view me that way. Well, then I have to leave. Now, you guys are Saints fans, not me, because my response would be, well, bye. Yeah, good luck. I mean, great guy, sure. Locker room guy, all that stuff. The special teams and everything he does is great. And the Wildcat quarterback and lining him up at tight end. But there is a reason, and I keep going back to this. The the debate shows on the national networks have talked about this all week long about what's the future if Drew Brees walks? Is it Taysom or Teddy? And the answer has already been given to you. Drew Brees got hurt for five games. Taysom Hill threw one single pass in those five games, and they won them all. They already told you who the quarterback is going to be moving forward. They, They already showed you. There, there is a reason he's only thrown 13 passes as an NFL quarterback in the regular season. Because that's not where his future lies. If you want to go to, to Los Angeles and they invest in you and you can complete half your passes and be a gimmick for a couple of years, then fine. But if New Orleans, if Drew Brees retires, which it doesn't sound like he's going to, if Drew Brees retires and New Orleans picks Taysom Hill over Teddy Bridgewater, enjoy mediocrity for the next few years because that's what's coming. I'd be interested to see him as a starter. You'd have to build a team around him like Lamar Jackson, like build everything to help him succeed, but, but he's I'd not be interested as, to see it. And I, I saw somebody draw that comparison today. He's not as skilled as Lamar Jackson as a runner. He's a good runner. I agree with that. He's athletic. And they, they do different things, too. He's a little bit more physical, but Lamar Jackson is special. As an athlete, Taysom Hill is a very good athlete. Great, even. He's not special. Is there an NFL team that would give 
Taysom Hill the opportunity to be a franchise quarterback and all that goes with that. I mean, he he's saying, I, you know, I got to do what's right for my family, which means he wants to get paid like a franchise quarterback. We talked the other day about what franchise quarterbacks are going to make on average, $27 million a year. Is there a team that is dumb enough out there to sign Taysom Hill, Hill to a five-year, $125 million contract with $70 million of it guaranteed? I don't think with so. With $55 million of it guaranteed? I, I just so highly doubt that. And you Is could... there a team out there that will sign him to a four-year, $48 million contract with $30 million of it guaranteed? I have a feeling New Orleans would do that. Maybe not that high, but eight-ish, nine a year. I'm sure he would get that from there. Yeah. Well, that's where I was headed next, because what if I said to you, and by the way, this is plenty of money to take care of his family. What if New Orleans offered Taysom Hill five years and $40 million to be whatever they need him to be? Doesn't it feel like that would be a really good fit? It would. Eight million a year for the next five years? You're going to play. You're not going to be our starting quarterback. We all know that. But you're going to play. You're going to play some quarterback. We're going to line you up in the slot some. We're going to move you around. We might pop you in on special teams every now and then. Might every now and then line you up as a running back. Return punts, too. Or kicks. You're going to play 35, 40 snaps a game. We're going to pay you $40 million over the next five years to do it. If you want to try your luck as a starting quarterback in the NFL, there's nothing we can do to stop you. But we're willing to take care of you. People fell in love with the five or so plays in the Vikings wild card game. I mean, I've I've even seen people call him the best player on the field that day. And I I don't know what you're watching. He's he wasn't the best player on the field that day. He did some good things. He threw a 50-yard pass that was so long in the air that it condensed water and rained before it was caught. The receiver was just so wide open. It was severely underthrown. But that's the play that people point to. is like, oh, yeah, he can be a quarterback because he completed one pass that was in the air forever. And if it wasn't a gimmick play, it would have been intercepted by anybody. He, he is a very good football player. But Ceasefire text line for eight million a year, I'll be the shower caddy if they want me to. <laughs> Bud and Jackson says five years, forty millions, too much. I don't know. See, I think he'd be worth that. Uh, he, he's good. I, he's useful, but not a quarterback. I wish Taysom Hill would realize how important he is to the Saints being an all-around weapon. He's not a franchise quarterback. I hope the Saints realize this too. I think they tipped their hand. I know Sean Payton really likes to talk about the next Steve Young and all of this stuff, but like I said, Drew Brees went down. Five games, he threw one pass. There's a reason. Because they knew their best chance at winning was with a quarterback, and that's Teddy Bridgewater. Richard and Wiggins suggest that he could be a viable option for the Tampa Bay Vipers. Ooh. Well played, Richard. Kelso in Ocean Springs says he's half the passer Lamar Jackson is.
John from Starkville says, good luck in the XFL, Taysom. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour on a rainy Wednesday afternoon right after this. Hey, Dad, I missed this news. Did you realize that Tim Brewster had rejoined Dan Mullen and his staff in Gainesville? Left North Carolina after last year. He's back with Dan Mullen in Florida. Yeah, I saw that uh, it happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I missed it. Borky said, that guy changes jobs a lot. I said, yeah, there's a reason, though. Yeah. People keep asking him to come work with them, and they probably pay him more than the previous staff does. Yeah. Good recruiter. So, what? Yeah. <laughs> well said. I mean, that's... You know, that's, that's what his reputation is. We'll just leave it at that. Yes, yes it is. So he went Mississippi State to Florida State. Mm-hmm. To A&M. To A&M, to, to North, Carolina, North Carolina, to now Florida. Florida. So, And that's over the course of, what, seven years? He was at State in 14, so yeah. That's some serious While we're, uh, moving. Yeah, while we're talking about that, and I hate to, we were not, we were sort of joking no, around. Well, I'm headed here. I, I was okay. going to go lighthearted first. Okay, I got you. Go ahead. Um, you, you, hey, Dad, you may have heard that this news was coming. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of whiff of it, but had not seen an official report. Um, yeah. Multiple news outlets in Tupelo, the Daily Journal, and WTVA are reporting PJ Jones was found dead in a private lake north of Tupelo, just east of the Mall at Barnes Crossing on Monday. Uh, Lee County Coroner Carolyn Green said Wednesday that they were able to identify uh, that it was P.J. Jones at the age of 27 through fingerprints. Uh, He was a standout at Tupelo and at Mississippi State. And this is heartbreaking. Just so sad. Two players off that 2014 team. Uh dead now in what appear to be you know, obviously uh Dorian Wilson was the victim of a homicide that's been confirmed don't they don't have a, a, a cause of death yet but when I mean a man was found in a lake it seems like it's going to be foul play involved in less than a month yeah that's just that's just rough yeah I mean this time of year it kind of feels like that could be the case I mean if it was in the summertime you might assume a drowning went, victim went, you know, went swimming or went fishing and drowned or something like that but yeah, just 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 tough, man. You know, see these guys, twenty seven years old. You know, I think about myself at twenty seven, and you know, I mean, Rip, you're not even twenty seven, right? No, I'm twenty four. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking about your whole life is still ahead of you, and it's just it's just snuffed out like that. It's it's it's, it's tough to swallow sometimes. So they were both on the twenty fourteen team. What did PJ yeah. Jones play? He was a defensive tackle. Okay, what was his role on that team, Hayden? Was he a starter? He he was the top guy as far as the defensive tackle. You know, he and Chris Jones, you know, and Caleb yeah. Ewells was on that team. Um, and Preston Smith, obviously. And that was a pretty solid defensive line for MSU. And uh, and Jones was one of the leaders. Mm. That is tough stuff. Yeah, just... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that news, uh, like I said, I've, I've heard some kind of 
speculation that mm-hmm. people thought that this was P.J. Jones, um, but the news just coming out officially this afternoon. Um, yeah. Been missing for about two weeks, according to what I've been reading on message boards and seeing on social media, and just found uh, found a couple days ago and just id within the past hour, it looks like. Yeah. Craig sent us the uh, notification from the Daily Journal, and that news is certainly making its way around pretty uh, pretty quickly. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. That's a tough way to wrap up the uh, 4 o'clock hour. Three basketball games coming up in the SEC tonight. We will take a peek at those. We'll also look at the results from the other games. We'll circle back and talk a little bit more about Ole Miss and Mississippi State. That's how we began the show uh, earlier today. We'll do that again for the uh, new listening audience as we roll into the 5 o'clock hour. We've got this day in sports history coming up for you. And as much as Borky wants us to talk about Richie Benaugh, ending his 63-test cricket career <laughs> in 1964. We might actually go with a slightly more familiar name. Yeah, this is not the best day for on this day in sports history. There was also a uh, an OJ trial thing that I could have yeah. gone with, but uh, I decided to go with uh, one of the greats instead. There you go. Also got the college football fix coming your way. Michigan State has found its head football coach. He will be introduced in East Lansing in about half an hour. And uh, you're reminded that the things that you say and the things that you tweet live on. And uh, Mel Tucker's having to maybe walk back some of those statements. Although, I don't know if he's really got to walk anything back. He says, they doubled my salary. Big Ten job. Sorry, guys. You'll have to understand. Sports Talk Mississippi, two hours in the books. College football fixed to start the 5 o'clock hour right after this with you on Super Talk Mississippi. 5 o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Trying to wait it out, Morky. As bed's always too long. we got to shorten that at the beginning. Like to right here. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. There it is. There it is. That used to be the Lakers music. I don't know if it still is for when they do a pregame. Did it really? Yeah. I edited that down and used it for intro music for pregame show at one point. And at years ago, from Lower Marion High School, number twenty-four, Kobe Bryant. The PA guy for the Lakers is very understated. Lawrence Tanter, yeah, that guy's a legend. Oh, I didn't know you guys were on first name basis. I didn't say I knew. I'm not on first name basis. I just know his name is Lawrence Tanter. I saw Kobe was buried today. Yeah, he was buried February seventh. They just didn't tell anybody. Oh, private family. Yeah, they're doing something. I think they're doing it on the 24th at Staples Center, like a, a celebration of life deal. Just wonder if the Lakers have adequately tweeted enough yet to, to satisfy certain people on the Internet or, or All right. what. Good to be with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, on this Wednesday afternoon. C Spire text line open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. You can be a part of the show that way, C Spire. Got great savings going on on their prepaid plans. The biggest free phone event ever is here. Switch to prepaid by C Spire and get your choice of best-selling 
phone, uh, uh, your choice of a best-selling phone free. Phones like the Samsung Galaxy A10e, the Google Pixel 3a, and more while supplies last. Shop now at cspire.com slash prepaid. Reading comprehension not required. At least that would be good for me. Well, that's a good um, thing when I took this job. They didn't say anything about that. Yeah. Um, college football fix. Let's do that right now. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. It's truck month, and that's a good thing because you got ground clearance, and you may need ground clearance with all the rain that we've gotten. Not that I'm suggesting you drive through any standing water. That would be a bad idea. You can uh, get into the Ranger or the F-150. It's the best-selling truck in America for the last 43 years, or perhaps the Super Duty is more your speed. Whatever it is, uh, test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. New head football coach at Michigan State. They were told no no four times, including by the guy that they ultimately hired. Mel Tucker just finished his first year at the University of Colorado, had really gotten people to kind of buy in there. They went 5-7 and this past season and seemed to be having uh, some success and was moving in the right direction. But the second time Michigan State called, he, I guess, could not say no. Michigan State has hired Mel Tucker, who resigned as Colorado's coach earlier today, as their next football coach. The athletics director said, It brings me great pleasure to welcome Mel Tucker to the Spartan family as the 25th head coach in Michigan State football history. Mel brings a championship pedigree, NFL experience, connections to our region, success on the recruiting trail, and head coaching experience to our program. He's replacing Mark Antonio, who announced his retirement last week after 13 seasons at Michigan State, went 114-57, and left as Michigan State's all-time winningest head coach, but is also facing a lawsuit from his former recruiting director, Curtis Blackwell, who alleges that D'Antonio committed multiple NCAA violations. Luke Fickle uh, turned down Michigan State, and apparently there were some other guys that turned them down as well. They made a run at Mel Tucker. He said, no, I'm staying at Colorado. I'm committed to Colorado. And Borky, the biggest issue in all of this is uh, the quote that he is now uh, having thrown in his face, there are no transfer portals in the real world. Yeah, funny how that kind of works out. And considering the state of his program, he's really going to have to be active in the transfer portal to compete with even his in-state rival. So. Good luck. That's what we were talking about last week, though. It's it's this idea that only college football players should uh, not try to better their opportunities. The coaches can, and it's the right move. It's a better job. It's a boatload. More money. Yeah, right move for your career. I mean, congrats. That's what you should do. But it becomes a problem when a college football player sees, hey, you know what? That school... You know, there's a chance for me to play more there. Or they just hired a coach that I think can send me to the NFL or whatever it may be. That That's a problem, and that's an indicator of society being wrecked because these millennials can't do anything. But a coach can up and leave whenever he wants to. It's extremely hypocritical. Mid-February. Yeah. We're living in a world where a coach who went 5-7, and seven, that's his career record, 5-7, and seven, is going to make just – either just shy or just north of $6 million a year. And he was making $2.5 million at Colorado? I think that's correct. And they said, well, 
I think he was making 2.7. I have to go back. I read the article from Bruce Feldman, and they said that it was going to double or better his salary. They also doubled his uh, assistant coaching pool from Colorado, which was $3.15 million. So they're going to pay out six, almost 6.5 to assistants up there. Hmm. What an indictment but, I mean, on but, the Pac-12, though, right? It is. But this is also – this is the guy Michigan State is saying, okay, go beat Ohio State now. I mean, come on. Well, you remember the numbers from Mark Antonio? I mean, yeah, thirty-four meetings against Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. He went seventeen and seventeen. I'll be. I will. I'll eat my own shoe if he coaches that many years and has that record against them. Got a lot of stuff coming his way, so that the money yeah, had to be just, right. You know, but if you look at the, oh, that's why. Yeah, yeah. But but if you look at the Pac-12, I, I mean, you had. And with all due respect to Mississippi State, we cover the team, we love the the team around here, but it is not Alabama or LSU or Georgia or Florida. It's not, and I think everybody can accept that. And yet Mississippi State was able to go take Mike Leach from a a Pac-12 team. And now Michigan State does the same thing with Colorado. The Pac-12 is not competitive in audience and attendance and players, and now their coaches, the good ones, are being poached by not the elite programs in a different league. Mississippi State is not an upper-level SEC program. I think we can all agree with that. And yet they can still go get Mike Leach. And Michigan State is, what, fourth at best in the pecking order in the Big Ten? In their division, they're fourth. In their division. And they go get whoever they want to from the Pac-12. So what does the Pac-12 do? Hope and pray Mario Cristobal wins a championship soon. That's not gonna happen. I forget who I saw on on uh, on Twitter this morning, but is it time for another round of realignment? And and should the Big Twelve and Pac twelve start working together to maybe put something, uh, some sort of super conference together? How would that change the investment in the Pac twelve schools, though? I don't know. That's a good question. You would you would create an entity that brought TV money comparable to what the Big Ten and the SEC are getting? At a certain point, you have to have people care. That's true. Mel Tucker, in a statement, said, It's a blessing and honor to return to Michigan State, where I began my coaching career with Nick Saban. If there's an opportunity to include Nick Saban in a quote, you do it, giving his stature in college football. Returning home to Michigan State is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me and my family, but it created the toughest decision of my life to leave Colorado. He's using Nick Saban like the Sean McVay handshake. I'm about to say, it's like, <laughs> I was just about to go there, Borky. Good call. Sources told ESPN that Tucker went to the Colorado facility this morning and wanted to address the team before departing for Michigan State, but was informed he could not do so. Athletic Director Rick George said in a news conference earlier today that Tucker did not address the team before resigning. Is that fair or foul, you think? I'm going to say fair, and normally I wouldn't, but the guy last night was meeting with boosters for Colorado. He did three radio spots yesterday talking about how he was staying at Colorado. And then at midnight, I mean, this happened... I had just rolled in from Oxford and was here at the Starville studio getting ready to do the Thunder and Lightning podcast when this news broke. So you're talking about you know, under cover of darkness. Yeah, I would have told him, you know what, just go. Well, let me play devil's advocate just for a second. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not begrudging the guy for taking the job. I understand not, the circumstances no, under not. which he took it. 
But what if when he was doing those radio spots and he was meeting with boosters, he was fully committed to staying at Colorado? And it wasn't until after those things happened that the circumstances changed. And if the circumstances changed to the tune of two and a half or two point seven million to six million, and also the opportunity to better your assistant coaches' lives, that's a pretty significant change of circumstance. But yes, hey Dad, I get what you're saying in terms of answering the questions fair or foul. I'm okay with Rick George saying no. Not not going to do that. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. circle back to hoops. Last night, Mississippi State and Ole Miss at the Pavilion. Big crowd uh, announced of over 8,000, probably 7,000-ish actually there. Mississippi State led early in the ball game. Brian Tyree picked up two fouls in less than three minutes to start the game. Things did not look good. Mississippi State led it 10-2 to early. They were ahead 26-13. to Hey, Dad, what did you say the score was when kind of the run started for Ole Miss? 31-18. Okay, it was 31-18 at that point. So on a couple of different occasions in the first half, down 13. Thought it was 14 at one point, but after they went back and adjusted the score at halftime, um, based on a three-pointer that was ruled ultimately to be a two-pointer, uh, it was a 13-point deficit that Ole Miss overcame. And then the Rebels really turned it on. Put together a run, got it within one at uh, halftime. It was 34-33 at the uh, break. And then in the second half, Ole Miss outscored Mississippi State by 26, 50 to 24. Brian Tyree outscored Mississippi State on his own, 27 24 in the second half. Um, 17 turnovers last night for Mississippi State, five of them by Reggie Perry, four of them by Nick Weatherspoon. And to me, hey, Dad, maybe the biggest story on the Mississippi State side of things, because Perry had another good game 24 points, eight boards. Uh, DJ Stewart had a nice game with 16 points and four rebounds. But for Nick Weatherspoon to play 31 minutes and go 0 for 5 from the field with four rebounds, six assists, six turnovers, and fouling out, that that doesn't work from your point guard. Not at all. And he said on Twitter that that was the worst game he'd ever played uh, in his life. And, and he did. I mean, Here's the stat, and I think Rippy heard us talking about it last night in, in post game. That you know, if you look at plus minus, which is you know, it's not a super heavy analytic, but it is an analytic. His plus minus for the game was minus thirty six. I mean, oh my! In reality, if he if State had just gone with four when Nick Weatherspoon was on the court, it would have been a better situation for them. Uh, it just was not on his game. Couldn't hit any shots. Didn't have any points. Uh, couldn't you know do anything offensively, and on the defensive side of the ball, you think he's your your best guy. Couldn't slow down the Ole Miss guards in front of him, and uh, just just an awful awful night from Nick Weatherspoon. When we talk about State having to bounce back, it's sort of, it's going to have to start with Nick because he he can't play like that and have State expect to do anything the rest of the year. Rippy Brian Tyree has reset his career high three times in the last two weeks. 
40 points last night on 13 of 22 shooting, four made threes, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, five rebounds, four assists, only one turnover. He had a block and two steals in 35 minutes. What's allowing him to play at the level that he's playing right now? I mean, he's just a good all-SEC caliber guard. I mean, this is what you expect, I guess. In terms of the last three weeks, I don't really know what's flipped a switch, but, I mean, he can score at all three levels. He had one of the best mid-range games in the country coming in the year. His three-point shooting has gotten even better this year, I believe, statistically, and he is really good going to the rim. So when you can score at all three levels and you're pretty much unguardable going to your right, you're probably going to be okay. Borky, you made a good point earlier that um, the the story for Ole Miss last night outside of Brian Tyree, because he certainly was the story, was the play of Hadim C. Absolutely, especially with the the pace, the way it was, and Ole Miss was getting pulled away from. He was kind of the reason that they were able to stay in that game going into halftime. It's really impressive how much better he's gotten um, finishing at the rim. He still needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, there are times where he could, and eventually, hopefully for Ole Miss, he will get there, uh, finish through contact. Uh, he, he gets to the ground a lot, just little physicality things that he needs to get better at. But finishing at the rim was exceptional last night considering the challenge he was up against, which was his biggest one all season long. If not for his play in the first half to help Ole Miss stabilize things, it, and Shuler did some nice things as well to end the half, um, Ole Miss probably doesn't have a chance to run away with it in the second half because the halftime vibe, I think, hey, Dad, you tweeted it, that, or one of uh, you, you beat guys did, about what that shot from Devontae Shuler meant oh, yeah. going into that, that halftime locker room changed everything, and it's because of C and uh, his play and able to produce, considering what he was up against, what really kept them in that game uh, that led to the explosion in the second half. Yeah, I was sitting next to Tyler Horka from the Clarion Ledger, and, and, and State hits the two free throws. There's 13.2 left, and I looked at him. I said, this just reeks of an Ole Miss three-pointer to take all the momentum into the uh, locker room, and that is exactly what happened. Somebody from Mississippi State was sitting next to me, and she just looked at me and went, you spoke it into existence, And huh. I mean, but I, I felt it happening. Nothing on Tyree real quick. I, I looked because I was pretty sure I was right, and I am. He is a bulldog killer. Seven starts, seven games against Mississippi State. He's been in double figures six times. The only time he wasn't was as a true freshman and has been above 20 points uh, three times against Mississippi State. Has absolutely feasted on the Bulldogs. Going into last night's game, in the six previous meetings against Mississippi State, he was averaging 17.7. It's more now. now in seven games for his career, he's averaging over 20 a game against Mississippi State. And, And has one more at the end of the season. He does. That one will be in Starkville, final game of the regular season. Rippy, let's do this. Looking at Ole Miss's schedule the rest of the way. Seven games remaining. They're sitting at four and seven in conference play. Where does their conference record finish? At Kentucky, at Missouri, Alabama, at Auburn, Vanderbilt, Missouri, at Mississippi State. Mm. Do they get one of the three? At Mississippi State, at Auburn, at Kentucky? I'll say 8-10. and 10. So they go 4-3 and three the rest of the way. Okay. Hey, Dad, let's do the same thing with uh, Mississippi State scheduled down the stretch. At Arkansas, by the way, the Bulldogs right now sitting at 6-5 and five in league play. At Arkansas, that's this Saturday at noon. South Carolina at home. At Texas A&M. Alabama. 
at Missouri, at South Carolina, Ole Miss. How do they finish? Ten and eight. So with seven games remaining, that is three and three the rest of the way. Or wait, four and three the rest of the way. Yeah. Okay. So ten and eight gets you to nineteen and twelve overall. It gets you to the NIT. Net probably in the mid fifties. Yeah, at best. Because I mean, I think they're going to lose to Arkansas Saturday, and that would be their, that's really their last opportunity for a quadrant one win. Boy, Arkansas is going to be desperate on Saturday too. Both these teams, this whoever loses this game's out. They're just out, in my opinion. Current net rankings for SEC teams. The highest ranked is Auburn at 15, Kentucky at 20, LSU at 27. LSU not impressive last night, but they ended up winning by four against Missouri. Alabama's at 40, Arkansas at 43, Florida at 44, Mississippi State 48, Tennessee 62, South Carolina 75. Ole Miss has made a big jump in the last two weeks. They've gone from, what, in the mid-120s to 81. Georgia is at 89, Missouri is at 94, Texas A&M is at 133, and Vanderbilt's at 154. Rippy, when you look at Ole Miss, you can't help but do the what-if thing. What if you don't lose on the road to a bad Texas A&M team? What if you don't cough up a 18- or 19-point lead against Auburn at home? Double-digit lead against Arkansas at home. Was there one more double-digit lead in there? LSU. Double-digit lead against LSU. The first time. I mean, you, you take those four and you split them, and the conversation is vastly different right now. Sure, you're a bubble team with a win over Penn State. Depending on which ones you split, you might have a win over Auburn, a win over LSU. Whatever it is, you choose to split, and they're right back in it. They're going to kick themselves at the end of the year for the month of January, but that's not something they're necessarily concerned with right now. Yeah. And the idea of momentum from one season to the next is kind of a tough one to swallow right now if you're a basketball fan because there's so much roster turnover. You're losing an all-SEC player in Brian Tyree. I mean, if you say there's no drop-off, that means you think Matthew Morrell is going to be exactly what Brian Tyree was as a true freshman. Yeah, you have Jarkel Joyner who can get buckets. Fair enough. I don't know about defensively. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-SEC player, but they have other options in terms of like scoring. I just I don't know what the rest of the team ends up looking like and how that meshes. There were three other games last night in the SEC. There are three additional games tonight in the SEC. We'll talk about those when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, Missouri, or excuse me, uh, South Carolina and Georgia about to tip off on the SEC network. We'll be right back. Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day brought to you by the Sportsbook at Time Out Lounge at the Golden Moon in Philadelphia. You had 137 and a half last night. You had a winner for your Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day. That was the total 
with Mississippi State and Ole Miss last night. Three SEC teams, three SEC games, six teams in action. Georgia and South Carolina are underway. South Carolina leading six to nothing early. Georgia two and a half point favorite at home in that game. Alabama is at Auburn. Auburn seven and a half point favorite at home. Florida five and a half point favorite on the road against Texas A&M. There's part of me that wonders if Texas A&M has kind of hit the wall. They've played so hard. But Florida has struggled lately. And we talked about a moment ago, hey, Dad, that um, Mississippi State and Arkansas are kind of playing a a must-win game in terms of their tournament hopes on Saturday. Yeah, This is a must-win tonight for Florida at Texas no A&M. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and, and I don't have a whole ton of faith in the Gators to get the job done. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It, it's, it's really something how the SEC this year has – you, know, you look at what it was last year, and you thought, man, this, the conference is—it's the, the the investment the conference has made in getting quality coaches and in trying to improve basketball has paid off. And here we are this year with you know only three teams that are solidly in the tournament right now: Kentucky, Auburn, and LSU. Yeah, yeah, I agree on those those three. Uh, for your Pearl River Resort pick of the day, we're gonna go revenge game. Alabama gave Auburn their first loss of the year. They got to go into the jungle tonight. Seven and a half? I'm okay with that. Lay the seven and a half with Auburn. I mean, theoretically, maybe an emotional letdown after the huge come from behind win against LSU in overtime, but I just don't think you get that emotional letdown in that setting. Not with this Auburn team. So we'll lay the seven and a half, take Auburn at home tonight as a favorite. Do I have any dissenting opinions on that? I remember when we picked this game at Alabama, or I, when that game was at Alabama. You went against that game. You didn't. You didn't pick it. But I was just so confident. Oh, Auburn's going to kill him. And so now I don't know. But we'll stick with it. Yeah. You okay with that one, Borky? Sounds good to me. I also would like uh, the Blazers over the Grizzlies tonight on the second night of a back-to-back, though. Okay. Is it in Memphis or in Portland? It should be in Memphis. Yeah, it is. Memphis is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Dame sat the entire fourth quarter last night because they were getting beat so bad. Didn't make a three. He's been on an absolute tear lately. Uh, He's not playing that bad two games in a row. I saw the beginning of that that ridiculous tear he's on. It's unbelievable how well he's played lately. He's He's really good. Well, until Drew Holiday play defense and then suddenly he can't score amazing how that happens just calm down there the total in the Alabama Auburn game is big it's uh, 159 and a half that's a bunch of points in a college basketball game but you know that Auburn can score sometimes in bunches and Alabama is coming off a uh, what, a 104-102 win over Georgia? That was an overtime game, but it they was in the mid-90s at, I mean, going into overtime. They shoot so many threes. That, I mean, they can get hot, and next thing you know, you look up, and they, I mean, they scored 90 on state. So. Yeah. Auburn doesn't always do a great job defending the three-point line either. Eh, anyway, 
Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Auburn minus 7.5 at home tonight against Alabama in a revenge game from earlier this season. A revenge rivalry game. Got to like that. All right, Borky, on this day in sports history, I think we're ready to do that. Yeah, I think we're ready to do that. And, uh, again, not the best day for it. I did uh, figured you'd get a good laugh out of that cricket thing. All right, take me down this road. On this day in sports history. Um, some cricket famous cricket guy named Richie Benaud ended his 63-test cricket career, whatever that means. Mm. That's something. I don't know, but th- that happened. That was a, on, on the, uh, the service that I use. That was the big one today. So congrats to Richie Benaud for his 63-test career. Tribute video, and will they retire his jersey? <laughs> I don't know. People are asking. People are talking about it. Oh, goodness. But also on this day, the great one, the greatest hockey player to ever live, and also the grandfather to Dustin Johnson's kids. Wayne Gretzky broke the NHL record for most points in a season with 153. We hope. This moment in sports history is brought to you by Acoustic <laughs> Wave in Ridgeland. You can get wave therapy. It's a live read here, guys. <laughs> you can get wave therapy to treat many orthopedic conditions, including heel spurs, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, shoulder tendonitis, and more. No incisions, no scars, and there's no downtime. You can even go back to work the very same day. Contact Acoustic Wave today at AcousticWaveMS.com or call them at 855-563-6100, 855-563-6100. Wayne Gretzky leads the National Hockey League all-time in points and in goals. He's seventh all-time in goals per game. He is the all-time leader in shorthanded goals scored, the all-time leader in assists and assists per game, number one in points scored in the playoff, number one in playoff points per game, number one in playoff goals, number one in playoff game-winning goals, number one in playoff assists. Four times he won the Stanley Cup, and four times he won a gold medal in the Olympics. Sometimes we're a little loose with throwing around the term goat. Uh, there's not really much debate when it comes to hockey. Oh, yeah, and what a perfect nickname, You miss nickname 100% too, right? of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> the great one, though. I, I mean, how perfect and apt of a name is that? Is, he's got it's Gretzky. It's close enough, right? Right. Like, it's perfect. Not a so good 19... coach, though. Never made the playoffs as a coach. Yeah, why did he coach? I don't know. You love the game so much, I guess when it passes you by, you got to stay in it somehow. He learned that Maybe lesson, so. though, that you know, just because you could do it doesn't mean you can teach people to do it. I have this theory that hockey coaches get like the itch to fight again, so they get coached so they can fight reporters instead of other dudes in the ice. <laughs> you ever seen John Tortorella? Oh, yeah. I would enjoy covering him. Wayne Gretzky played from 1978 until 1999. What was the... um, You remember the cartoon with Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, and Bo Jackson, right? I believe so, yeah. What was that cartoon called? I think it's just like a little bit out of my cartoon watching... The Pro uh, Stars. 
Gretzky, Jordan. Yep, Pro Stars. Yep. I only vaguely remember watching that. I don't know that it was critically Only got one season. It was cut short. Saturday morning cartoon aired from September until December of 1991. Glad you remember that because I was born a year later. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why when I said... Voices, come on. Yeah, I guess that's why when I said, hey guys, you remember this one? (laughs) It was was crickets outside of Hey Dad. Michael Jordan voiced by Dorian Harewood. I mean, come on. We couldn't get Jordan to do his own voice? No good. Yeah. No good. Probably a significant check to get him to do anything at that point. Well, they had to have paid something just to use his name. Why not just go the next step and get get him to actually do the voice? Him stopping... Think about it like nowadays, right? Everybody would want to be involved with that. With anime. I mean, you got LeBron doing Space Jam 2. If you were going to do a cartoon now, you could easily get those guys to do their voice. Easily for the right price. Well, for the right price, yeah. But animation is a, animation now is not what animation was then. Cartoons aren't just for Saturday mornings anymore. That's a good point. They use it in... Uh... Like free agency talks and stuff now, that kind of thing. Yeah. NBA players are very online, more online than any other athlete in the world. It's true. Are you a Space Jam fan, hey, Dad? Gonna have to confess. Never seen it. Really? What? Yeah. Never seen it. Hmm. South Carolina out to a 13 to 2 lead over Georgia. It's First half in Athens. Rippy made it sound like, a, like, I've never eaten cheese. I mean, <laughs> that was what he just sounded like. Oh, Space Jam's a classic, though, man. I, I, everybody, I know, I know, I've just never seen it. I guess it's like me with Karate Kid. And we've got the remake coming, don't we? Are you going to watch yeah, it with tonight? LeBron. Is it available on, like, Netflix or anything? I don't know. Probably Disney+. Uh, Plus. Don't have that. I need to get that. Sports Talk Mississippi. We
Super Talk Mississippi media production.